Hi, before we get started, just a quick heads up. The Canadian Advisor Tech Expo is going to be taking place on November 14th to 17th between 12 and 5 p.m. Eastern Time, virtually online. It is the premier conference for advisors to learn more about technologies available to them and about transforming their digital practice. Please note that the previous ad before my podcast had the incorrect date. This is a correction. Hope to see you there. And now on to today's show. Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Prayer. Today on the show, we have Wilbur Swan, CEO of Catchlight. Catchlight is a company that uses artificial intelligence to help advisors basically find and close better leads. And with that, here's my interview with Wilbur. Wilbur, thanks for taking the time today. Hi, Jason. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. So Wilbur Swan of Catchlight, talk to me about Catchlight. What is it? Yeah, sir. Uh, so Catchlight is a new kind of solution for advisors focused on what we call lead optimization. Uh, which is common in other industries, but new to financial advisors. Our goal is pretty simple. We aim to help advisors improve growth through AI-powered insights on three things, really. Who should they call? How should they pitch them? And what should they pitch them? We deliver Catchlight through a simple web-based UI where advisors can basically upload the leads they have and then begin to see the actual insights that Catchlight generates for them. The simplest way to think about that is really, or to, 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 to visualize that is through a quick demo, which I would encourage folks to get onto catchlight.ai, our website, and sign up for a demo. We were incubated in Fidelity Labs, which gives us the advantage of a startup with all of the resources that we can access within a company like Fidelity for scaling and growing this business, which has been fantastic. I'd say we were started in 2019, and we've been in production with advisors since early 2021, but we just recently launched at T3 at May, just a couple, few months ago. Well, it was delayed for a couple of years, right? So for obvious <laughs> reasons. All right. Uh, I, can tell, so, I can tell you what we were doing during that period. Well, let's let's get into that. So like, before we get into what you were doing that period, talk about the origin of this idea. Where did the idea for Catchlight come from? I'd say like a lot of startups, origin stories, a combination of the talents of the founders, um, many of whom I've worked with before on prior startups. And they have a really great blend of expertise in data, AI, and the financial advisory business. I'd say looking at when we started doing research on this in 2018, we were talking to a lot of advisors about a bunch of topics within Fidelity Labs. And it was interesting. They kept steering us back again and again to that's great, but how can you help us grow? Okay, that's an interesting idea. How can you help us grow? Or can that idea be applied to help us grow? I think growth for advisors, we heard over and over again, is really the lifeblood of their firm. Um, whether you're just starting out where it's critical to get up and up to size, or whether you're planning to exit and you want to exit your business with a higher multiple that a um, fast-growing practice can um, command. I'd say prospecting is a super interesting area for advisors. For the last few years of COVID, what we've seen are lots of advisors trying lots of methods, typically digitally, to augment the growth of their business, be it social media, LinkedIn, websites, newsletters, trying more referrals, doing podcasts, purchasing leads from some of those providers that ended up generating a lot of spreadsheets we heard, typically not in their CRM. And we said, you know, what do you do with them? They said, well, we, we take a first crack at them. If we can convert them, then we're, we convert the lead. And I said, well, how often do you do that? Well, typically about two or 3% of the time. And then we say, okay, so what do you do with the 98 or 97 <laughs> leads that you get out of 100? And they say, you know, we don't have a methodology for that. And we said, that's super fascinating because Fidelity does a lot of thinking about lead optimization with their own sales organizations, you know. How do you think about all the people you're talking to and which ones are the best ones to talk to at any given point of time? I'd say big picture as we looked at the space, it just felt like that, that area of how advisors approach sales best practices felt like one that was super important, but yet there hadn't been a lot of 
thought and expertise applied to. So that's really where we're getting to digging in. So that's the origin. So before we go any further into the actual prod, talk to me about the partnership Fidelity Labs. How does uh, how does this work? For listeners who have no experience with that name, tell me about it. Yeah, so uh, Fidelity Labs was started within Fidelity in, in 2005, and it has had a mix of roles during um, that almost 20-year period of working with the businesses to accelerate ideas, what we call digital acceleration, as well as incubating an entirely new concept, what we call full-stack incubation. I'd say in 2018, the management of Fidelity really decided to focus a lot of effort in labs on um, full-stack incubation, which would be, you know, how does Fidelity think about setting up a lab that looks a little bit like a Y Combinator sitting within Fidelity itself. Startups that are funded, that have all the resources and all of the functional areas to go to, to, to develop a product, bring it to market, sell it, all those pieces. So you're not reliant on the business to do those types of things and really evaluate those opportunities like a, a venture capitalist would evaluate those kinds of opportunities. So yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's a good combination of technology resources, money, and uh, subject matter expertise. Because I mean, You could ask a so, question like, you know, where are you now with Fidelity Labs? I'll, I can just talk about yeah, no, no, no. I'll, then we can I'll, go into more. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So yeah, Fidelity, so picking up here. So yes, Fidelity Labs, for those of you who haven't seen it, it is a good combination of subject matter expertise, resources, and of course, money to help with the ideas like this. And of course, Fidelity has actually one been, been one for innovation for quite a long time. So where are you now with that relationship? So we um, began work on Catch Light in uh, 2018, and we started actually developing in 2020. We brought and begin actually Philly Labs as a concept of really partnering with clients and advisors to get early stage products into their hands early to get feedback in a very agile way and then iterate from there. So we really began putting early concepts we were working on here into the hands of those advisors and getting feedback from them. As I mentioned, we brought an early version of this to market um, in kind of an early access phase last fall. We're now, as of T3, publicly launched and available for advisors to subscribe to. And it's an ongoing relationship with Fidelity Labs. I mean, I think they're very interested in how Fidelity can help um, support and accelerate these startups while also saying, you know, how do we help you move as fast as a startup would? Now, this is a very common issue identified, right? It's, you know, there's there's lots of sources for leads these days, but it's what do you do with them? And most of the lead gen companies will simply say, well, that's your problem. You know, you figure out what to do with it. And as you said, you know, the close rates aren't great. And this ignores... You know, what I've I've heard this the the rule called different things before. Most affectionately, I think, is the 85-15 rule that only 15% of people who basically reach out about your service are, are ready to buy at that time. The yeah. other 85% might be interested, but they're just not ready. So too often the focus is on how do I close the people who are interested right now, which is which is valuable, but ignoring the orders of magnitude greater number that we're interested in just need some nurturing. So I've seen any number of nurturing tools out there in the past, but I mean, you're bringing artificial intelligence to this to try to point people in the right direction. So talk to me about how this works. So how, what is, what is the secret sauce? How do you basically get people to close? Yes, that's part I'll go there. I'd say to build on your prior comments, we did it. Fidelity does a lot of research. Labs does a lot of research. And during that research phase, um, we came to the conclusion that advisors were spending a lot of time on this development oftentimes up to 20% of their week on it when they rolled it all up. And then we began running numbers with them, you know, like how much are you actually investing to acquire a new client? We came to a figure of around 3,000 per new client acquired for organic leads and up to 10,000 for purchase leads or M&A type leads. So there's a lot of money being spent to acquire these leads, too much to your point, like there's that time and effort relates to a lot of of, um, investment. I'd say 
we, then we began asking them, well, what's the value of the new client? So we began running models with them, typically seven-year models to say, you know, if you can retain this client over this period, uh, what type of value do they create for your firm? And, and the number that we kept coming back to with them, talking to a lot of C-level folks at, at clients of, of labs, is that a new client, say a $500,000 portfolio to start with, can have a lifetime value of up to $20,000. And if they come in with a million dollars, it just gets higher and higher proportionally. So a lot of value is created when those leads come in. So we said, isn't this something you really want to get right? Like, don't you want to, if you can unlock the potential of your advisors and the marketing and selling they're doing and make them more efficient in terms of the use of their time and increase their conversion rates, would that be hugely valuable? So they said, they said obviously, yes. It's so, funny you identify the 3,000 yeah. number, and I'll tell you why, anecdotally. Michael Kitsis had a summit on marketing about a year ago, and I attended it virtual, of course. And there was a poll question at the beginning of how much, you know, million dollar client, how much would you pay to acquire this client? And, you know, they had the different tiers. And I, knowing the math, immediately went to the 10,000 and above category. And the, you know, there was a lot of dispersion, but the average ended up somewhere pretty close to 3,000. So it's one of those things where, you know, frankly, it's, it's the wisdom of crowds, right? You know, maybe we don't all specifically know our acquisition costs, but enough of us have, enough people have a sense around it that they basically, you know, know it. And, and when people, when Michael pointed out the math of it, you know, people fired back with, with, well, you know, I can't count on landing every last one of them, which is a valid, valid statement, right? So, but yeah, it's just, it's just curious that that number ended up being about, about correct. So basically that's the problem. Talk to me about your solution. Yeah, sure. So let's do a scenario here, right? It's it's not it's Monday, it's 9 a.m. and an advisor wants to spend 30 minutes thinking about prospecting. Right now we ask them, what do you do? And they said, well, I probably call the person who last called me. And we said, okay, so but, but was there a better way to do this? We, we view Catchlight as basically a super smart virtual sales assistant like Jarvis on Iron Man, for example, <laughs> uh, you know, hailing Tony Stark that helps an advisor think about, you know, who best to call on a given day how should I pitch them and, and what do I pitch them? So, so how do we do that? Well, the advisor gets into our web UI, super simple to access, uploads a spreadsheet that includes all of their leads, uh, which they do to basically feed and um, kick off the system. And the information that the advisor is uploading is contact information like an email address, a name, first name, last name, maybe a phone number, et cetera. And that advisor might have, we've had advisors with 25 leads, we've had advisors with 2,500 or 5,000. System works the same either way. Catchlight then goes to work taking that core data about the lead, that name and um, email address, for example, and we enrich it using the same type of data partners that large companies typically use to understand their marketing. Fidelity has a long history of working closely with partners in this regard. And we enrich that lead with over a thousand attributes from those data partners. So these are things like um, home value, things like estimated lucrative escrow assets, things like income, things like size of family, yada, yada, a long list of, of variables. And uh, from there, the advisor can then see a list of all of their leads enriched with that data. Then Catchlight goes the extra step, which is to say what we've done, which we think is really unique in the industry, is we've built the first propensity model for advisors. And the way we've done that is, is we've partnered with a number of Fidelity partners to actually look at across a large set of uh, people who have looked for paid financial advice, now hundreds of thousands, which ones of them actually converted. And you, in this data science approach, you look at the attributes of those people who converted versus the general group of prospects. And you say, these are the attributes of people who tend to convert from paid financial advice. That becomes our propensity model, which we call the Catchlight score, which we then present in the UI and basically begin sorting the leads you have by that propensity score in that Catchlight score. 
So it's a bit, little bit like what Google does for the search business, right? It's, it's, it's page rank is ranking the best matches for you at the top of the page. So you can focus on um, the best places to, to apply your effort. So effectively, next best prospect is what you're serving up. Yep. Yep. And obviously that data evolves over time. People's profiles change. The model improves over time. We already know looking at that, at the data science of that model, that and when we've had clients who have generously contributed large amounts of data to us historically over who's converted, and we can do blind A-B tests in there to say, does the model actually pick out the people that are likely to convert? What we already know is the model does two to three times better job of doing that, which is fantastic. So it's really elevating those best prospects at the top of the list. But we're also continually improving. It's basically a learning model that our data science team is constantly evolving in the background to best identify the prospects for a given advisor. Excellent. So, all right. All that's a ton of data mining, basically finding commonalities amongst people who close. Pretty straightforward, uh, quote unquote, in air quotes, straightforward data mining techniques. So you're serving up these prospects. Are you are you providing what contextual information are you providing regarding why that client was 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 served up or anything else that uh, other than just their name and call this person? So great point. So I, I talked about now who best to call, right? So then we go a step further and talk about. How do I pitch them? For each prospect, we provide a rich profile then. So typically what we've learned, especially during the COVID period, is that a lot of advisors know people basically by their first name and last name, and maybe they submitted a request for information. They have their email address. They don't know a whole lot. So we take that process where the advisor would typically spend you know, 45 minutes, whatever, if they could, probably more time online researching that, that person and providing all of that profile data to the advisor in a, in a snapshot that's really been distilled down to the key facts that we know advisors are looking for based on all of our experience with advisors. You know, what are the key things in a profile that an advisor would want to understand? Typically leads off with things like, well, what's this person's catch light score? Like how important are they? But then, you know, what's the liquid investment assets of this household? What's the estimated income of this household? What segment do they fit into age and demographically? What are some characteristics that talk about the complexity of their life? Because basically the model, it's interesting, we squint at it. I mean, it's a machine learned model, so it's not meant for your human mind to wrap around all the 50 dimensions of the model. But when you squint at it, it models basically capturing, does the person have the means that they would need financial advice? Do they have complexity in their life? And have they, are they encountering life events that would suggest now the timing is good for that advisor to pitch that uh, prospect? Excellent. So you fire up not only who to talk to next, but here's here's the things that give you the highest probability of close. So I'm curious, you must be collecting statistics on this. What is the close rate? You know, if we're looking at a baseline close rate on leads of closer to two, do you have any data on how much higher you managed to get that number? Yeah. So uh, granted, we're early days with advisors, but what we hear anecdotally, and we, uh, we had one advisor who went in, uh, had a great discussion with wealthmanagement.com, and he's one of our longer running advisors. He's got a pretty methodical process for reaching out to prospects and does some good tracking on it. And he'll say, Hey, I agree. And I, when I do that, when I apply and look at the cash light leads, he feels like he's two to three times more effective than he would be like his two to three times higher conversion rate. What's super interesting is that those insights, they apply really well in the sales process. And the one step I forgot to talk about, which I think is really interesting, is that we're also getting into this idea of how do you help an advisor pitch a given prospect? So in that part of the process of this three-step process, what we're actually doing is providing ideas to the advisor that they can use to talk to that prospect about, like engagement ideas, product ideas. And now even we're beginning to suggest, you know, if you were to reach out to this person and you feel like it's a relatively cold lead for you, here's a sample template email that you can use, just pop into your own email. 
that's a good kind of introductory emails to what you do and to kick off the conversation. As we've heard, some advisors are even saying, I don't really know how to kick off a conversation that I, where I haven't talked to the person maybe in a couple of years. So that whole how to pitch thing is super interesting. And that gets you into this really interesting space where all this data is when you aggregate it across an advisor or across several advisors is super interesting to marketing people who are thinking about personalization, right? What they're looking at is, you know, earlier stage in the process when I start sending out communications to a broad group of folks, is it one size fits all? Not very effective. Open rates are kind of mixed and not great. Or can I begin saying, okay, so these are my next gen investors, they age 35 to 45, they have a new home, two kids. Okay, these are the types if I can identify that group within for a given advisor or across multiple advisors, I can begin suggesting content to them to send out to those folks. It's more personalized. And what's super interesting when, when marketers and with advisors try that technique, what we're seeing consistently is that they'll get three to five times better open rates. It's fascinating. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Three to five times on a 2% still turns it only into six to, six to 10. But that said, like, if you think you're busy with what you have now, try closing three to five times what you had before. So that is, that is a pretty substantial bump off a very, very small base. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to the ROA model, I think, right? Like each of these new prospects that they can convert them and do it efficiently is hugely valuable to the advisor. So it's like, how do you take a a process, you know, most of the C-level folks we talk about is that they feel like there's a real opportunity to apply data to sales and marketing and data wrapped with AI to make just advisors more effective, more efficient, make it easier for them. And really, if they can grow their practice better, I think what they, they can do what they really love, which is working with people that they enjoy working with. Excellent. So, okay, this is where you are today in terms of, and it's still early days, right? Like you're soaking up a ton of data from publicly available sources and whatnot. You're, you know, serving up, I guess, that next best prospect, plus also let's call it next best conversation point uh, to help them try to close it. You know, where do you see it going from here? I think there's a ton of ways to apply AI throughout this type, this part of the process, all the way from lead origination to conversion to retention. I think that there was a recent Accenture study that went out this summer where they surveyed 500 advisors. And the interesting quote there was, they said 83% of advisors interviewed said they believe AI will have a direct, measurable, and consistent impact on the client-advisor relationship in the next 18 months. I'm, I think it's super interesting to think about how this applies to specifically, like how specifically do you, you as an advisor want to use AI to help build client relationships, how you build retention? As I've said, we're starting to think more about how this AI applies to the marketing part of the process. We have firms that have marketers that are basically looking at how do I first incentivize advisors to capture more data on their leads in a system, right? Rather than a spreadsheet, let's put in a system where we have visibility to it so we can help them out. That's a huge step forward. So that's like the data organization step. And the second one is, how do I understand what's going on across all these advisors so I can generate insights to help them market more efficiently and better suggest better content for them using these great digital marketing solutions that are now exist for advisors. And then as we talked about with Catchlight, we're particularly focused right now. It's kind of like a tip of the iceberg, an easier, easy solution for advisors to use around you know, how do you engage better with prospects one-to-one, that step of the process. And then what we're starting to work on now um, is... How do you begin to look at these same insights to understand an advisor's book and what that means for um, insights for that book down the road? Like, how do you think about retention risk? How do you think about potentially upsells and share a wallet for your for your book? So I think that's another area that we'll be thinking more about down the road. Yeah. So, I mean, shifting the air. So basically taking the same artificial intelligence engine and pointing it at other points of the life cycle of the client effectively, yeah. right? 
Yeah. yeah. And I've seen, yeah, I've seen propositions on that. I'm not sure how effective some of them are, but on, you know, next best action with the client. I mean, I remember famously Salesforce years ago uh, with their, with the Reinstein um, launch basically showed like, Hey, we can show you the probability a client's going to leave, right. You know, based off of yeah. any number of interactions and sense. Well, so here's, here's the interesting thing I think about doing this with infidelity. So I've done both startups where you act independently and I, I was with a startup that we sold to Thomson Reuters. Mm-hmm. did this type of work, innovation work within Thomson Reuters with access to huge amounts of data. And I think for this kind of solution, the ideal place to do this is really in an organization where you have the best of those two worlds, because what uh, Fidelity and Fidelity's partnership bring to bear is large amounts of data to study mm-hmm. and to figure out how it actually works. So I think Salesforce has a bit of challenge there because they have to, like, they don't have first-party data, right? All their data is supplied by users. Fidelity, on the other hand, has tons of first-party data that, you know, can help better inform these models to help out advisors. Well, yeah, exactly right. I mean, and this is where they're at the mercy of how well the implementation with their various customers goes versus you can actually, you got to play with internally. So it makes a big difference. Exactly. Good. So before we wrap up, there's three questions I'd like to ask everybody on a positive note. The first one is, if you had one wish or something you can change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? I told you I was just back on vacation. I don't know if I'm capable of giving a great answer to that one, but so I would say um, we're growing really quickly. We just a few months ago, we posted 20 open roles. Hmm. Uh, we filled, I think, nine of them. We have 12, 11 more that are open, if I'm doing math right. I would love it to fill those roles. If folks are listening to this and interested in working within a really energizing place with Infidelity Labs, you know, startup type environment, um, go to catchlight.ai and check out the, the job postings that we have open there. Yeah, so that might answer the second question too. Is what's been the biggest challenge again the company to where it is today? Oh, so I'd say you know it's, it's it's like what we're doing today. It's about awareness, right? So we're testing this hypothesis of setting this up as an independent brand, right? Independent company, Catchlada AI. As you'll see in our website, there's little mention of Fidelity. I think anytime you're setting up a new company, there are the challenges of just brand awareness. Um, we're also we believe passionately around uh, lead optimization. That's a bit of a new solution for advisors. So we're evangelizing a new opportunity for advisors. I think anytime you're doing that, it's, there's a big need for you know communication, branding, marketing, talking out to the market about what um, the advantages of this, um, the types of things that your podcast enables. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> It's a challenge. Though the one thing that will typically you usually catch people's eyes pretty effectively is helping them grow their business. So you pick the right part of the funnel to uh, help tackle. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of interest in this topic. No, 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 never, never. Uh, especially if it involves us doing less work, which <laughs> clearly you've done that. And then the last part of it is the last question I have for you is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up in the morning to keep on fighting the good fight of entrepreneurship. Yeah, it's, it's it's a super challenging thing, right? Entrepreneurship, even in a large company, there are highs and lows, and it's you know you're constantly working through those challenges. I think what keeps me going is, you know, I, you've mentioned that you have kids. I have, um, I've had four kids, including twins. And uh, over the years, you know, they're all now heading to college. It's a huge amounts of, you know, college bills that are looming. And we leaned heavily and partnered heavily with financial advisors to figure all that out. I think financial advisors provide um, a really valuable service that I'd love to see them be able to provide to more people at greater scale. I often think of those meetings with our financial advisor, my wife and I, as one of the more peaceful meetings of the year or times of the year, because we actually could get our heads wrapped around, like, are we making real progress against our goals? And I am a huge believer in what financial advisors do. So to the extent that we can help them out and help them um, build relationships more quickly with great prospects, I think it's a two-way it's a two-way thing, right? Like prospect benefits and the advisor benefits. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, 
Wilbert, thank you so much for your time. Very much appreciated. And uh, I encourage everyone who's in the U.S. market, because uh, in other markets, we can't necessarily get, you can't necessarily get the access to that kind of data uh, due to privacy rules. What can you do? So it's not as so it's not effective. Although if you ever do come north, let me know. So <laughs> that said, uh, so anyone in the States who's looking for, uh, who's looking for lead gen, uh, take a good look. Wilbert, thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. So that was today's podcast with Wilbur Catchlet. Hopefully you got a better understanding of how some straightforward AI can basically help you land and better manage your leads. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or read your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.